0: And let me start. There's a story of a, of a soldier. He's, he's on parade. And I'm, I'm not sure if you know what that looks like, but well, I've seen it on, in movies. And when I was, I'm like Rob, I watch movies to do research. And, uh, and uh, so you see these soldiers on parade. And so this one guy in, in the middle of that ramrod straight, tension, and he kind of goes, and he's there, kind of waves at someone in the crowd. And, uh, and his commanding officer kind of walks up to him. And says, "Hey, bud, you're on parade. You don't do that, right? This is a command. This is an order." A little while later, they're having the march past. They pass, just going past the stands, and this guy goes all over again. If you have kids who have taken part in school plays, you know what that looks like, right? And uh, when they finish, they're back in barracks, and the commanding officer comes up to the guy and says, "Didn't I give you an order? Didn't I give you an order?" That you have to stay in formation, don't wave, don't do things like that. Are you not afraid of what I can do? And he says, yes, I am, but you don't know my mother. (laughs) And, And I don't know about you, but throughout history, you find that there are amazing men and women that God has called to build his church. That God has called to be involved in carrying the message of the gospel. And God still calls us to be those amazing people. But here's the problem, that sometimes we're more afraid of mother. And it's true. It's an unfortunate reality, sometimes we respond in fear. And so we draw back, we hold back from the things of God. And God has called us to be front footed, particularly in this nation. And the question is, are you that person? I, I can relate, I've been there. And today, I'm trusting that God shows us from His Word, as we exploit, that first of all, He has called us to be those amazing men and women. Second, He empowers us, and He emboldens us, and gives us courage so that we can be the bearers of good news. And uh, let me set some context here for you. We are reading from Acts chapter 4. This is backlit, so let me read it from here. So the scene is this. You'll remember last time what we shared. Peter and John, average Joe's, just like you and I, off to church on a Friday morning. They're off to the synagogue, and uh, they encounter this guy. He's lame, been lame for some time. People knew him, familiar face. Heals him. He gets up, and he's jumping around, cavorting all over the place and praising God, and they come there. They preach the gospel, and this is where... The story picks up. This is where we pick up the narrative. All that has happened. And now Peter and John are before the council. They're before the Sanhedrin. They're brought up there. And they're facing the religious authorities. And here's what it says. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And perceived that they were uneducated common men. I'm not sure I want to be described that way. That's how the Bible describes these incredible people. Uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they'd been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another saying, what shall we do with these men? Can I tell you this? If you are this kind of person, if you are that person who is radically sold out on God and who lives and walks the gospel, you present a problem to society. You are a conundrum. You are a puzzle that they cannot quite figure out. And I'd like to be in that place. I'd like to be not because I want to confuse people, but I want to point to Jesus. What shall we do with these men? for that a notable sign had been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. What a powerful name it is. Great choice. Thanks, Patty. It's it's a beautiful thing. So Patty and I, we didn't talk about, well, I'm preaching this, why don't you sing that? Except the last song, I said, can you do this one? Because I want us to leave here saying, I do want to shout it from the rooftops. I do want to shout out this good news. I want to share this message of hope and love and joy and peace to a people that desperately need it. But there is something when the Spirit of God works, the word that Shaman brought, there's power in the name of Jesus. Let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they call them and charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answer them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What an extraordinary story. These two people, Peter and John, this is not the religious elite. These are not people who have been to seminary they've not gone to bible college they've not been to some theological course this is your average job this is you this is me we're called to be these extraordinary incredible people in this particular incident two fishermen what do you think of that Two fishermen, I come from a little island called Sri Lanka, and fishermen are common around us, and I'd be surprised if I see one of those guys standing up before the religious authority preaching the gospel. And Luke kind of describes them quite delicately, and he's so sensitive to them, he calls them uncommon, uh, common and uneducated. I mean, how would you like that kind of description? But what, what gets their attention? What gets the attention of the religious leaders? Father, we want to release this word into your hands now. It is your word. And I pray, Lord, that as it is spoken over your people, that you begin to do something, stir our hearts with this word, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you raise up a generation of evangelistic people. I pray that you raise up through your word, Lord, that you stir in our heart and you call out, the Stevens of this world, the Peters and the Johns at Well of Life that are perhaps hiding in the shadows. I pray for commissioning moments that are released over your people as this word is spoken, Lord. This is your word, Lord. And I pray that you minister to us through them. In Jesus' name. So what were they astonished about? Firstly, they were astonished about how bold these guys were. Can you imagine that? Now when they saw the boldness of Peter, can you move on to the next slide? Are the slides stuck? Good. There we go. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Oswald Chambers says this, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. And you'll find a lot of Oswald Chambers quotes. I'm reading um, my utmost for his highest and I'm kind of captured by some of his thoughts and uh, he's able to kind of summarize deep truths into everyday language. And and I love that. So what is the big thing here about boldness? Boldness is not about being macho. Boldness is not about this thing of, oh, let me go hunt that lion. It's not that. Boldness is about just being able to speak. And uh, how many of you here can speak? Anyone here who can speak? Three, four, five? we've got about five people who can speak. You are the evangelists here today, right? But the truth is boldness is about speaking. Look at this. If you're, a, if you profess to be a Christian and you want to be a bold one, you cannot shut up. I know that, uh, I know, I, get, I got a lot of that as we were growing up. I'm the youngest of three brothers and that was a common sentence at home: Shut up and takes courage and boldness to speak. And look at what they say here. Acts 4 again, further down the line. Now, now, look, now Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to what? Continue to speak your word with all boldness. Boldness requires the exercise of your tongue. The words you speak matter. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Often we pursue those Isn't it? We pursue the signs and the wonders and the miracles, but God says, You speak, I will do the rest. You speak. And the place that in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak. Continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Can I say this? These were Christians, these were born again, spirit filled believers. And what is God's response to their prayer? I'll send you my Holy Spirit again. There's something God does that causes an overflow and boldness and courage to rise up when we say, Lord, I I want to align myself with what you're doing and help me with that. And it requires boldness. You've got to speak. Acts 28 proclaiming, you can't do that silently. The kingdom of God teaching, you can't do that silently. About the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness. We're called to be a bold and courageous people. We're not called to step back. We're not called to hide in the shadows. God says, step out. But it's firstly about spending time with Jesus. We shared this today in the morning when we were praying congregational prayers. Guys, can I tell you this? Every morning on a Friday, except the first Friday of the week. We meet at 9 o'clock upstairs to pray. And if I can encourage you to join us, 9 o'clock, join us for prayer. It is a stirring time. And a lot of what we see happening here, the healing that we enjoy, the blessing that we enjoy, is born, I am convinced, out of what happens up there first. So can I encourage you? That's a little caveat, a little sideline, small advertisement, come for prayers, 9 o'clock Friday morning. Boldness is about Jesus, spending time with him. The authorities were astonished at the disciples and their boldness. But like I said, these are not guys who went to Bible school. These are not theologians. So where did they learn? Where did they learn to exegete scripture? Look at this. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. Spending time with Jesus, the only answer. There are no shortcuts. Spend time with God. God breaks into your life. God gives you courage. God gives you boldness. Spending time. There is nothing we can do apart from Him. He said it, in fact. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We need God. And if we don't develop a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus, we will not be those amazing people that God calls us to be. But they also recognize this. they had been with Jesus. That's where it came from. And so you see a people that were transformed. These are the same people who, who ran away at the cross, who Peter has a habit of putting his foot in his mouth and denied Christ. Same people. And today they stand... Transformed. Can you move to the next slide? What did the authorities see? They recognize they've been with Jesus. The most important aspect of Christianity is not the work we do, but the relationship we maintain. And the surrounding influence and qualities produced by that relationship. That is all God asks us to give our attention to. And it is the one thing that is continually under attack. Are you that person who comes up and says, ah, Just so short of time. I can't remember who it was. I think it was uh, Wesley who said, I have so much to do today, I must spend at least three hours in prayer. I might be misquoting that, but uh, you get the gist of it. You get where I'm going with it. That our time, as we pursue our relationship with God, creates something that influences our surroundings. We We are a transformed people. And, and this is not about information. It's not about stuff in our heads. It's not about what you know. It's not being able to quote chapter and verse. It's about transformation. It's a heart issue, stuff that happens deep inside us. That God begins to do and suddenly you're, you're different. You're different. You, you are radically opposed in your manner and culture to the things around you. The way we respond to circumstances or situations is different. The Holy Spirit works in us to change us as we spend time with God. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. How do you like that for contrast? There's an old self and there's a new self. Something has shifted. Something has changed in our lives. We, we look different. We talk different. We walk different. And we smell different. I say that in, a, in the nicest possible way, right? Which is being renewed. There's a renewal process that happens in our lives daily after the image of the Creator. You and I are meant to be conformed to the image of Christ. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There's a transformation that must be take place in our lives. And I've said this to people, and I've said it, you might have heard me say it from here. If you have, forgive me, but I keep saying it. You can't tell me you've encountered the gospel if your life is unchanged. You can't tell me Jesus is my Lord and my God if your life is on the same path and track that it was on before. Because an encounter with God, an encounter with Jesus, shifts your life. Shifts the way you, you see things, there's is, there is a distinct contrast. This is not a, a, a kind of shades of gray thing. This is black and white. This is all self, new self, change in your life that draws people to ask the question, what the heck is wrong with you? And you get to tell them, well, nothing wrong really. Now things are right. It just looks wrong to you. I'm excited, sorry, if I get a little passionate about this because this is what I love doing. This is what I like. Right, right now we've got a team out in Sri Lanka and I've been on that particular trip last year and you do put your life, your risk life and limb, but they're out there and why are they there? I mean, it's great fun, but they're there because of the gospel. They're there because there's something that's there inside them that goes, I've got to put this out. God loves you. Can you imagine this? Imagine that Michelle and I have had, are having an argument. I know my kids. Where's my son? There you go, buddy. It's hard to imagine, eh? Right? They've never heard me raise my voice. And uh, imagine we're having that. And in the middle of that, I go, you know what? Let's stop. God loves you. What? what? Really? What do you say to that? There's a message we carry. We deal differently with the things of life. But there's something that we must recognize here also. And I, and I want to put this nicely. And hopefully you... No, I won't say that because I think that when God puts us into a position, he gives us the grace to deal with it. Because look at these two men. They're standing in a potentially life-threatening situation. This is a matter of life or death. And, uh, and one guy actually did die. If you know the story of Stephen, I love that story. Here's a guy, like you and I, average Joe, called to serve bread. Everybody, your job, handle the communion every Friday. That's your job, make sure that the bread is distributed evenly. But he's filled with the Spirit, and the scripture says, Acts 7 8, read those stories, that he, signs and wonders accompany. People were astounded at what God did through this guy who would serve bread. He wasn't the preacher. He wasn't the part of the eldership team, perhaps. It's just a guy filled with the spirit. And then he's called up before the authorities and he is harsh. Go read that. I'm not that's not part of my preacher, I'm not going there. But that, his words are strong. So strong it says that they rose up against him, they were annoyed, they were angry, they took him, put him down there, stoned him to death. But you must recognize that sometimes in our adversity, in our trouble, in the problems that we face, there's an opening or a door for the gospel. These guys were facing a challenge. Life or that situation, but they didn't go, Lord, deliver us, help us out. That's not what they did. They said, okay, we are here now. Let's share the gospel. So people of God, whatever your situation today, look for the opportunity. In our adversity, we get an opportunity to share the gospel. And I know, sometimes I've heard this also. I've heard people say, you know what? God calls us to walk in submission to the authorities. So they said, don't speak in his name. So, well, we must be obedient to that. That's what the word of God says. And so I'm I'm going to be obedient to that. No, there's a higher authority. One that supersedes the religious authorities of the time. And yes, we do walk in obedience to the law of the land. We do walk in obedience. But when that contradicts the command of God, go make disciples, go preach, go share this good news, then we are obedient to the higher authority. Can I say that these guys were not being brash? They were not being defiant. They were not being reckless. No, no, they, they were exercising godly, uh, godly wisdom even in seizing this moment, even in telling them, no, we're not going to do that, you can't stop us, right? And they challenged the Sanhedrin. You know what they say? When they say, you decide. You decide. Is it right or wrong? Because the Sanhedrin, the religious authorities were convinced that the authority they carried was directly given to them by God. They were convinced that their authority came from God. And God had the right to supersede, or override, to take them off that position. But they could not argue when the disciples say, "Well, who do you want to listen to, God or men?" They cannot contradict that. And so there's a wisdom. It's not just a blind defiance of authority because it's coming out of a deep conviction in their lives. And so that's where we're going. Whether it is right in the sight of God, there is a conviction that we carry. No healthy Christian, like these guys, ever chooses suffering. He chooses God's will, as Jesus did, whether it means suffering or not. We don't pursue suffering just to look like martyrs. We don't want to. I don't want to suffer. I don't know about you. In fact, I I told I told, I've said this to someone I can't remember who. I said I'm not afraid to die. I'm just afraid of how I die. Because I don't want to die in pain. I I don't know about you. I don't have some masochistic tendencies. I I. I don't want to die in pain, but I'm not afraid to die. I'm kind of Woody Allen kind of thing. I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens, (laughs) that kind of thing. But here's the thing. We pursue the will of God regardless. And if it leads to suffering, then we trust for grace to deal with it. Two things that come out of you. Firstly, whether it is right. What are you convinced about today? For you, what is right? What do you believe to be right? What do you know to be absolute truth today in your life? Remember this. The disciples expressed their full conviction. This Jesus, those were their words. This Jesus, the Son of God, they were convinced that Jesus was the Christ. They were convinced that he was the Messiah. There's a conviction that they carried that this is true and then I'm ready to fight for it. And I'll tell you this, if you don't have that conviction, then any wind of doctrine, anything will sway you. And we will walk in fear. We will not be front-footed people. But Jesus' command was proclaim, And so these guys were, well, we'll proclaim whether it is right. What is right today for you? And then, right in the sight of God, the measurement of what's right and wrong is found in God. It's not defined by society. There are certain things that are. It is right to drive within the speed limit. If you don't, well, I think 600 bucks. If you don't pay buy the parking ticket, it's 150 bucks, which happened to me last week. I forgot, not being defiant here, <laughs> but what is right in the eyes of God is not again about is it safe to do, is it practical? No, is it right? In God's eyes, is this right or wrong? Barnes' commentary, which I have put in there, says this: We have a striking instance of the principle on which Christians act. It is to lay their safety, reputation, and life out of view and bring everything to the test, whether it will please God. If it will, it is right. If it will not, it is wrong. Black or white? Does it please God? That's right. Does it not please God? Not right. But what is your conviction today? What is your conviction Because we are called to act from a place of conviction. Perhaps then sometimes the lack of action is not not because there's fear, but because there's a lack of conviction. I know people can be incredibly bold and courageous, but if there's no conviction, you will not speak. Because you have nothing to say. You cannot, I cannot live on what convinces Mike. I've got to have my own. And the only way I know is to rest on absolute truth, the word of God. In a world that is increasingly confused, our, our, our line of right and wrong must rest in something unchangeable and absolute, and that's the word of God. That's what decides what's right. And again, it comes down to this. How's our relationship with God? I know this might seem like, hey, this is not King's Kids. This is not Sunday School. But hey, can I ask you a question? How's your devotions? Don't answer that. This is between you and God. How's your devotions? Because if you don't have that moment with God, if you're not having that relationship with God, we will not step forward. It is from that place of intimacy that we rise and step out with a message for the world. It's from there. It's from there. You cannot give what you don't have. Another one of my favorite sayings. But it's so true. If you have nothing, if there is no deposit, and I, I talk to people, and sometimes they're like, oh, Mike shared about it when he talked about being empowered by the Spirit. You can't rest on what God did 20 years ago. What did God do for you yesterday? What did he do today, this morning in your devotions? What did he say to you? That word I brought to you from Jeremiah is what God told me this morning. Today, my life in God's hands and I can go anywhere, do anything. I don't care what happens. My life is secure in God's hands. Everything else can be removed. My life is secure. And I will be with my father. I don't care what happens. I'm going home. While I'm here, I want to be here. I want to be on the edge. I don't want to be living in the shadows. I don't want to be in the back. I want to be that person who is bold. I want to be that person whose boldness comes from a place of being transformed by time spent with God. I want to be that person who's transformed because I'm convinced that God is true. That God is love. That the Son of God made manifest as a man died for me. And if you've never encountered Jesus, if you've never Had that truth spoken into your life today and you're wondering what on earth is started talking about. Can I say this to you? Jesus, the son of God, came and died as a man that you and I can have life and you can have that life. If you've never encountered Jesus as your personal Lord and savior, talk to me. I have much to tell you. Because he wants to break into your life. He wants to speak to you hold you regardless of your past mistakes, regardless of what the past holds, and say, I'm giving you your life as a prize. Live. And then finally, from conviction comes this thing. When you know, remember what I said? Speak. These guys were outspoken. They were outspoken. For we cannot but speak. Speak. Of what we have seen and heard. And I love this again. Oswald Chambers. This is where we are going today. God did not direct his call to Isaiah. Isaiah overheard God saying who will go for us. The call of God is not just for a select few. But for everyone. Whether I hear God's call or not. depends on the condition of my ears. And exactly what I hear depends on my spiritual attitude. God is speaking. There are conversations taking place in heaven today? Are we hearing them? Are we eavesdropping on the conversations of heaven? Is that moment of quietness with God? And you hear God say to you, well, God's saying to anyone almost, who will go? He didn't say, Isaiah, would you go? Who will go? And Isaiah goes, well, here I am. Are we those people We cannot speak. There is almost a compulsion that this scripture describes. It's it's like you can't stop yourself even if you want to. Because we cannot help it. But again, it cannot be done in the natural. There is this thing of spending time with God. That's what it is. That's what it boils down to. As much as there is a natural disposition to share the gospel, it is also experiential. Remember this. We cannot share what we have seen and what we have heard. Did I say this a few minutes ago? You can't give what you don't have. What we have seen, what we have heard. What have you seen recently? What have you seen God busy doing? What has God been saying? Have you been hearing those conversations? I think it was again Oswald Chambers. I'm not sure and if I misquote it well, correct me afterwards, who said this, we have too many people working for God. Very few people working with God. I want to be working with God. I want to be privy to what God is doing. I want to be hearing God's heart. I want to be hearing that of God for Dubai. I want to, when I have coffee with someone, I want to be hearing God say, this is my heart for this person. I want that word of knowledge, the discernment that says, hey, Pray for this. And then it kind of exposes them and their heart, not in a bad way, but just to be sensitive to what God wants to do. Perhaps you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm in Dubai for a short while. I'm here just to make some money and then I'm going home. Can I tell you that God might be telling you, hey, no, no, that's not your workplace. That's your mission field. Are we hearing conversations of God? Truth is, we need to make a choice today. There's a call here. There's a clarion call. I wish I could could unpack this scripture for another hour. Don't worry, I'm not going to. But it, it does challenge us. It challenges me. It calls me to make a choice. What do I want to be? Do I want to be that bold Christian, that person who, who walks into a room and people say, hey, there's something different about you. Who's sitting at coffee with a bunch of mates and, uh, well, you're the one guy who's not swearing. You're the one actually who makes people uncomfortable almost. And I don't mind that. I like that. I don't mind being making people uncomfortable. Not because I forgot to take a shower. But because, well, they know what I believe. They know what I stand for. They know what my convictions are. And often it makes people uncomfortable because they're not the same. And I don't mind that. Because it raises questions. But are we going to be that kind of person? Are we going to be the ones who listen to what the world is saying? Hey, shut up, sit down, just go with the flow. Because I don't want to be that person. The choice is ours. We can choose an easy way or we can choose to be obedient to what God calls us to. Let me close with this final quote from Oswald Chambers. Do you mind standing with me as we do that? This is you and I. All of God's people are ordinary people who've been made extraordinary by the purpose of he has given them. Can I ask you to close your eyes, just bow your hearts before God for a moment? What is the purpose that God has given you? What is your purpose? What do you think? What do you think your purpose is today? Is it to live out the seventy plus years that we have here and This is it. Because if you think that then, can I tell you that there is an eternity? Can I also say that all of us have eternal life? Every one of us. Anyone, walk out onto the streets, meet any man, any woman, they have eternal life. The only thing is that in your sharing the gospel, you could change their address in eternity. Eternal life is for everyone. But there's only two addresses. It's either heaven or hell. In you, you carry a message. A message of hope. Just stay in this attitude of prayer and worship. This morning I met Max. Max is a waiter at a restaurant, I think Tasha's. He's here with us today, see if you can find him, get him a coffee and a piece of cake. He's here today. Today's his first day here. He's one month in Dubai. He's here today because he was serving Jim and Gabby and they invited him to church. Average, uneducated, uncommon men, ordinary people made extraordinary by the purpose that God has given. What is your purpose today? Perhaps you're in that place of thinking, Lord, I can't do this. I, I, I don't have that kind of courage. I don't have that kind of boldness. But can I tell you this? You have a choice again. You can say that, sit back and do nothing. Or you can say that and say, Lord, give us courage. Give me courage. Give me boldness. And then there is that <laughs> Holy Spirit moment that empowers you that changes you that shifts you so radically that man you just go about preaching the gospel I will pray for you if that is you if you're that one who says well I don't know this Jesus I've never I've never met him can I tell you today don't don't leave this place without talking to me Because in truth, your life depends on it. And I don't mean to scare you. It's not what I'm doing. All I'm saying is, if there's a stirring in your heart and God is saying, you're mine, I want to give you this prize, this gift of life, then come talk to me. And for the rest of us, can I say this? Is it right that we obey men or that we obey God? Father, I pray over this word that is released over your people and I do pray again, Lord, that you call out the evangelist in our midst. I do pray for a supernatural courage, a supernatural boldness over your people to be your witnesses, to be a testimony to all that you have done for them into a world that desperately, desperately needs to hear good news because your message is good news. So let us be those people who, who provide a map for those who are wandering lost, who say, hey, here's a map. Those people who go to the guys who are stumbling in the dark and say, listen, I've got a torch for you. We can be those people who are the signposts for the ones who are lost that say, hey, this way. Jesus, I do pray for divine encounters, for moments over over coffees or over over a meal, where there is that sudden revelation, that sudden discernment, and I do pray for a rising of that that changes the course of a conversation, turns it around to the things of God, and people encounter you, Lord, and so I do pray for well of life, and say, Lord, let that evangelism explosion we've been talking about take place here. Let it start here, Lord. Let us be men and women empowered by your Spirit. Let us be men and women who who walk about and signs and wonders accompany us wherever we go, because we share the Word of God. Let us be those people, and I do pray, Lord, that from here, Dubai changes and from there, the UAE, and to all the uttermost parts of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.